With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The players are giving us everything, and there have been some really good signs in the last week or so. Those were the words of Neil Lennon after a place in last season's Scottish Cup final was secured by Celtic in the victory over Aberdeen. And it was a result which came hard on the heels of a terrific Europa League point in Lille and a pleasing performance four days previous, which suggests things are on the up again at Celtic Park. In this week's record Celtic podcast, things are also on the up as Chris Sutton returns to join us. Lennon said it won't be all plain sailing in the coming weeks, so that's probably why Michael Gannon's back joining the old striker to discuss the events of the past few days and look ahead to the upcoming matches against Sparta, Prague and Motherwell, the two games which come before the next international break and the Celtic players disperse all over the continent again. Gentlemen, how are you? Are you well? Very well, thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah you? Yeah. You've got your, you, you got your sort of house-sitting priorities sorted out? We're all right. I've got the zonal marking all organised. We're all right. <laughs> well, gentlemen, Chris, I'll start with you. Um, it's been a good week for Celtic. Um, and the, the, the Lille game away in Europe was a markedly improved performance, an excellent point against a team at the top of the French League at the time. And then the, the semi-final victory over Aberdeen at hand. And what did you make of it all, Chris? Both obviously the results were positive, but performance-wise as well, what did you make of it all? I think if you, you, you know, if we look at the season as a whole and, and look at the performances, um, you know, the the one in Lille was really impressive. I, I have to say, I think that, you know, most uh, the balanced Celtic fans and the media would have looked at Celtic going over to Lille the way that they've started the season. They've been in phenomenal form and... You know, I thought that would be an extremely difficult night for Celtic, uh, and and in many respects they they proved me wrong. I thought that the first half performance uh, they carried a real threat going forward, which is in some respects so different to what you know we saw earlier on in the season, where it was all a little bit flat and and with you know very little cutting. Edge. It was all sort of side to side, but they looked a threat. I thought Elianusi had his best game in a in a Celtic jersey. Um, Laxalt looked very strong down the left hand side, and albeit there would have been there would have certainly been a disappointment. And I know we have to look at the game uh, as a whole, but you know, had I been playing in that game, your two goals up, you know, to let it slip and let Lille back into the game would have been a major. Di- disappointment, and not to go back to Glasgow with the three points. But you know, the the bigger picture. Um, is that Neil Lennon would have bitten an arm off for a point from that game before the game, and uh, and there were there were more importantly, I think it was it was signed there were signs that that it was the Celtic team we saw last season, and uh, a Celtic team which seems to be getting back to near their best. There are still mistakes being made and, and, and issues which need ironing out, but they certainly look to be a, a, a team where the confidence. Is uh, is getting better? 
Michael, after that, the, the little game that Chris discussed in some depth there, um, it was back to Hamden and a, a, and a good victory for, for Neil Lennon's team over Aberdeen. Was that just a just a take on from France and were you even more impressed by that? Obviously, you have to take the standard opposition out of both teams, but was, was it real signs that the corner has been turned? Yeah, I, I think it's two good performances that were much needed in circumstances. Um, I, I don't think Celtic are out of the woods yet. I, I still think there's issues in terms of fitness all round in the squad, which I think you see it in the games. I think the first half in, in France was terrific. Second half, they tired badly. And then again, Sunday, I think the first hour or so, I thought they were terrific again. And then, then seeing the fatigue setting in again. There's just a lot of players who are coming back to fitness. I think that's just the way it's going to be for the next week or two. Um, Tom Rogic coming back, excellent. They're obviously going to be not going to last the full, the full game, the full belt. Edouard's the same. You've got El Hamid, Beaton, uh, all these guys are yet he's still not at full, full fitness. So there's got a lot of guys who, are, who maybe aren't, can't do it for 90 minutes. So Celtic are like in a first half team just now until they get their confidence. I think, I think you'll see it in maybe Thursday again. They can get a, they can get a league in these games, give themselves something to hang on to, then fine. But they're not quite there in terms of fitness yet. Is that going to be fine, Michael, in, in the general run of the mill domestic matches? I mean, obviously, Lille played with a great intensity. They did lots of attack and play, probably more than what Celtic would find in the majority of the games. I think if you compared both the games in France and at Hamden, Lille were able to maintain a threat, whereas Aberdeen didn't really have one. So will Celtic find it easier to get in front and then see games out at home? Is that just stand to reason? Well, that's what, that's what happens. Yeah, if they get something to, to, to build on early on in a game, makes it hard for opposition. Plus, Celtic, also this five subs rule, that helps them as well. So they can make changes try and hang on to the result but I just think there's a lot of key men that aren't quite at 100% yet but it will come with more games so I think you can tell by Sunday the confidence is back in the first half they're zipping the ball around passing movement it just looked a different team than we've seen in the last three or four weeks it's looked a lot sharper doesn't it just going back to the Lille game and I, you know, I agree a lot with what Mick said about the players fitness Edward coming back that would have done in the world uh, the, the game on Sunday at Hamden uh, against Aberdeen Rogic getting minutes in his legs I actually thought that, uh, that once Lille got themselves level Celtic finished that game pretty well it was end to end you know it actually looked like when Lille scored the second one Celtic were going to be in big trouble because they were still what, over 20 minutes left but Celtic actually had opportunities in that game which was you know, towards the end, which, which was really, really encouraging in that respect. But, you know, certainly uh, I thought Edward Sunday was a, a, a massive bonus. And, and he's he's probably about 60% at this moment in time. But he, but he has that ability uh, and he shows some such beautiful touches at times. And his Does he also bring other players so to good. life, Chris? Does he other, do, do you see more of a spark than some of the other guys? I mean, it was well, something Callum McGregor said after the Rangers game when he said, you know, subconsciously you maybe look up and see guys missing at the top end of the pitch. Is that mm. when Edward's on the pitch, it's, it maybe had an effect. Derek McKenna suggested it had an effect on the Aberdeen defenders, even yeah. the fact that Odds and Edward was there. So it's just even having his presence make a difference. Yeah, well, listen, the, the truth is, is, is Odds and Edward is streaks uh, ahead of any other player in Scotland when he turns up. And, and if Odds and Edward comes back, uh, or when he comes back to full fitness, um, if he's motivated, and I'm sure he will be motivated, then Celtic have a, you know, certainly we know at the minute they're nine points behind Rangers, but they have a, a real opportunity to to win everything again if Odds and Edward is, is firing because he is he is the difference maker. He is the one player in the country, in my opinion, who can do 
things which other players uh, can't even think about doing. He is that good. So to get him back, you know, up to, to tip top condition uh, is is the key for Neil Lennon this season. We saw what he did last season. We saw the, uh, you know, the price tags bandied around for him. And, you know, we saw the interest or, you know, the re- reported interest from clubs across Europe, who, of course, would be monitoring players because the fact that you look at Tierney going to Arsenal, you see Dembele moving on to uh, to Leon Odson-Edward is the next big uh, big player, or he will be the next big player to leave Scotland for big money. Uh, but, he, you know, he also needs to think himself that he's, he, he built his reputation last season to a level where all eyes were upon him. And now he's in a situation where... He can quite easily fade out of the picture. Now, I don't think he's that type of character. I, you know, I really don't. But it is important uh, for himself. And if he does want to move on in time, and, and nobody, I think, you know, will begrudge it, the fact that he, you know, wants to move on eventually. You know, that that happens. That's just that's just evolution. That's what happens. Um, the fact of the matter is, he needs to get back playing uh, to the top of his game. And if he gets back to the top of Celtic, uh, you know, are, are on for a, another brilliant season. Chris, you spoke about Odds and Edwards being able to do things that other players in the country cannot, but possibly if there's one other individual who has some magic in his feet, Michael touched upon Tom Rogic. Mm. How big has his return been, given the fact that looked as though his days, his time may have been up at Celtic at one stage during the transfer yeah. window, but he, I know you're a fan. Um, is he a, a big, big, big positive in the offensive side? Absolutely. I think that just he's one of those players who um, who doesn't give you the ball when he's finished with it, Tom Rogic. He, he, he gives you the ball at the right time. He has such wonderful awareness and grace and poise, uh, lovely touches. And there's something Celtic have been missing, that, that, that little bit of creativity, that, that eyes in the back of the head, he can play around reverse pass he can he can slide balls through he's you know picks up nice areas the issue with Tom is that, you know as it always has been is that is he dynamic enough when Celtic lose the balls you know does he does he work hard enough does he give the same intensity to the team as Ryan Christie when when he plays He's in that position, and now you know James Forrest is out, and he looks like he'll be out for a while. Ryan Christie looks block. like we'll, we'll play off the right, yeah, and of, of course it is. But that sort of uh, that alleviates the competition that there is that head-to-head between Rogic and Christie, which it seemed to be, which was why Rogic wasn't getting game time. But we can all see the the benefit now that that Tom Rogic has to this Celtic team. I thought. And I think most people thought that he'd played his last game for, for Celtic. And, you know, his days were, were, were gone. He's been a brilliant servant for Celtic. But now, his emergence now in the final third has made such a huge, huge difference to Celtic in the last couple of games. And, and you know, Mick touched on his fitness levels. If he keeps building his fitness levels up, then that's, a, that, you know, it's like signing a new player, isn't it? I was just going to say that. Really yeah, it's is. like a new signing, isn't it, for, for Neil Lennon? Given, yeah. given how far he was at the pitch. Michael, I assume you agree. I know you touched on it earlier, but if you could just return briefly to Tom Rogic, please. I think that now that now it's time for Tom Rogic to be a proper football player. I mean, this and the fact he's 27 years old. He's never really played a full season. He's always injury problems. He should be at his peak. I don't know if it's a, a boot camp job or whatever. It, it, listen, it's, the worry for me, for me was that he was compared to go to Qatar last, last month. 
mean, that's semi retirement for, for a football player going to Qatar. So what, what is he going to be? Is he going to be a serious football player? This is the, this is the prime his career. It's all in his own hands. He can knuckle down, get fit, and be the player that everyone knows he is. He's a fantastic player. He can change games on his own, run the show. He's got, oh, he's got a big, tall, strong lad. He's got all the tools. It's up to him. It's why, up would to- you, why would you criticise him for going to Qatar, Mick, if he was offered... Wheelbarrows of cash. Would we? And also, let's remember we don't know. We don't know that for certain. We don't know whether it was the agents that were involved that were trying to set a deal up, or whether it was actually Tom that wanted to go. So, you know. And if he wasn't getting a game at Celtic, I don't think we can begrudge him. You know, moving on if that was the case. Listen, Chris. Serious football players don't go to Qatar at twenty-seven years old. It's 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 a nice place to go to earn a few quid. But But he didn't. He didn't go. That's the thing. But now (laughs) he's got to play. He's got to play consistently week in week out. Listen, I know players get injured. That happens, right? But if it happens every single year, then it's a problem. Um, and you look back, he's, he's very rarely plays 90 minutes. So he's got to become a, a, a proper week-in, week-out performer for Celtic. And he's got, I say, that it's a frustrating player because he's got everything. It could be absolutely top drawer. And at 20, this, this, is, Mick, this, is, this is incredible that your, your glass half empty when he's actually come back and, and improved the team in the last few games and you can see a different Celtic. And yet, you know... You're looking at the negatives, Mick. No. I know it's raining up there. I know it's windy up there a lot, but come on. <laughs> Look at the positives, Mick. Come on. What's he done? Tell your gardener to put the shears down and look at the bright side, Michael. <laughs> Absolutely. He's just got to kick on now because he, is, he could be a hugely influential player this season and beyond. Yeah. He's got to kind of kick on. He's had a couple of good performances, but it has to be done over a longer period of time. Well, obviously, you know, there, there are a lot of individuals to touch upon over even just in the past week. Um, and I think that, Michael, one of the ones that has really caught the eye of the Celtic supporters is Diego Lasalle. And um, there has been various comments made about his style of play, standard of play, quality of play. Um, some of the more excitable Celtic fans already talking about somebody who can who can kind of finally cover the loss of Kieran Tierney. But what has been your overall view of the Uruguayan, he's, he seems to have started very well. Is that one for me? Sorry. Yeah, that's why I said Michael. Well, your name's Michael, yeah. <laughs> he's off. He's three out of ten for the first half. No, it's having a shocker. <laughs> um, he's looked good, hasn't he? He's looked, he looked apart. I mean, it's not many players that, that start with uh, four games without a win and goes out with a lot of credit, but he's done that, hasn't he? Um, mm. France, he was absolutely sensational, wasn't he? I think we all thought he'd be quite a kind of attack-minded kind of wing-back um, putting balls in the box and all that stuff and he can do that but I think we saw in France that he's, he's also a dogged little guy as well isn't he? He's a wee kind of a, a little battler um, I think he had the most mm. tackles in Europe on the night or something like that some of these daft stats that come up but he just looks like a little scrapper. You'll have a start Michael You'll have a start You'll like a start yeah but he's a, he just looks like a little scrapper which I think is a, is a good sign for Celtic he just looks like a, an actual fit he does he looks the part Chris I take it you've been equally impressed yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I agree with 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 Mick on some stats. Some are daft, but some are very good. Um, I I actually think that Mick touched on it. The way he defended, it's important that you know basics stop the cross. You know that that's such an important part of being a fullback. He did that exceptionally well. He looks like he's fit and that like he's hungry, and he can play as well. And you have to say. He is a, a big upgrade on, uh, on 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 Greg Taylor, with the great disrespect. So that that looks to be a good piece of business. When you bring players in, you know, ultimately you bring them in at Celtic 
you want them to improve the team. Has he done that? Yes, he has. Also, some justification, I suppose. We, we, there was some. We have been critical on the podcast, or, or certainly discussed the timing of some of the the signings that were made during the during the window. That maybe some came too late, but mm. it's obvious that Neil Lennon had his eye on on this one and took his time and knew it was going to have to. He, he may have to wait to the very end of the window to get it. So, from that point of view, I suppose praises. Praise has to be dished out in that point of view, Chris, the fact that they were prepared to wait to get the one they wanted and they look as though they've got the right one. Yep, it's a pity you couldn't get Fraser Forster as well, isn't it? Well, indeed. And Craig Gordon pulling up trees at hearts as mm. well. Actually, I was, I was going to touch on the goalkeeper situation later on, but I suppose, given the fact you have mentioned Fraser Forster, Chris, and Craig Gordon has obviously been performing his heroics, Scott Bain back for the last two games. Um, and mm. penalty save in France... Um, you said in your newspaper column on Saturday that it was right that he should keep his place for Hamden. Done a great deal to do, but what he had to do, he did competently. Clean sheet. Where do yep. you see this issue just now, Chris? Because everyone looks at a £5 million goalkeeper in Vasilis Barkas being signed and think, well, £5 million has been paid, he has to play. Where do you see this situation at the moment? Um, I see the situation as, as pretty simple. Neil Lennon is... is uh, you know, having Scott Bain, he thinks he's a better goalkeeper than than Barkas at this moment in time. I don't, I don't, I don't buy into the fact. And I know, you know, Barkas had a shoulder injury, but the the bottom line is, is if he was fit enough for the bench, he was fit enough to play in France. And in that respect, I think Scott Bain, the penalty save was big. Am I still convinced about Scott? Uh, no, I'm not. You know, I'm. You know, I think that there are other moments in the game where, you know, it's hiding behind the sort of settee time. Um, but Neil Lennon will see him train every day. He'll get the advice from uh, Stevie Woods, the goalkeeping coach. And at this moment in time, you know, Neil Lennon is is not, you know, giving giving uh, Scott Bain a run out for charity. He's giving Scott Bain a run out because. He wants his best goalkeeper in, and so Scott Bain will will keep the gloves at this moment in time, and and somehow uh, Barkas has has got to really pull his finger out and and show Neil Lennon and Celtic that uh, that uh, that Neil is wrong to to pick Bain ahead of him. But it's an issue which I have to say I think you know you mentioned Craig Gordon as well, and I've been critical of Craig in the past, of course. You, you look at the the standards Craig has set in the past. You look at the standard of goalkeeper last season. I think as we you know we did a column or maybe even on the pod earlier on in the season, saying that uh, that Fraser Forster should be the number one target for Neil this season. And of course, it you know it it probably was. But the fact they couldn't have got that over the line has been a big deal. His standards were so high. Celtic, you know, they were, they were like a wall at the back. And that was largely down to having Fraser Forster and his presence in goal. This season, they don't have that presence. And that is a huge problem. You look across the city, whether you like it or not, um, Rangers this season are a different proposition. And they're a different proposition because their clean sheet record has been staggeringly good. And in that respect, this is going to be the, you know, the, the, the toughest title race in years. That couch you hide behind, Chris, is that, is that a big fancy Norfolk mansion couch? Is that a throne? Is that a couch? We don't, what, we don't, we, we don't do that in the country. Oh, okay. It's just a uh, yeah, little, uh, little small rustic one. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. A lot of fire. Yeah. Uh, Michael, have you... That's what we do. 
Michael, uh, from behind your rusty one, how do you view the goalkeeping <laughs> situation? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you build your one yourself, Mick? Ikea? I've got an uptown bucket to sit on. Or Wally. Serious business, Michael. Yeah. Is, is it going to be good? For whatever the reasons or the fact that Vasilis Barkas has just come out the firing line for a little bit because he was under intense scrutiny, do you think there's a part of that that, that, that may benefit him by the fact that Scott oh. Bain's got the gloves just now or do you suspect this might be a long-term problem for Vasilis Barkas? No, I think without a doubt it's actually not a bad thing for him. I think... Um, I don't, come on, Mick. I don't think he's settled particularly well. I don't think he's made any glaring errors. Just not really had an impact or had a presence. Um, well, why, is it, why is it good then? If you... I don't think he's made any errors. Why is it good for him to come out of the firing line then? You can work in training, work with Stevie Woods, uh, work with the defensive units and all that stuff, and, and maybe get time to find his feet away from the, the kind of um, the public eye in the meantime. Plus, what, what do you mean? What do you mean, find his feet? Well, I don't think he has found his feet yet, Chris. Do you think he's been his best so far? I mean, a five million pound goalkeeper. I don't. But think. it's okay. It's okay making saves in training. It's another thing. You know, playing in a big game, isn't it? So, how does it benefit him where he's come for money? Against the work, his understudy, his understudy then gets the nod in front of him after a few games. That just shows that the manager has a lack of faith in him, doesn't it? That, that's why, if I was uh, Vasilis Barkas, that's what I'd be thinking. He wants to spend up a long time working with probably the most prominent goalkeeping coach in the country just now, and um, to, to help him settle into that that squad. That's that's what I mean. I don't think it's a problem. I mean, Scott Bain's a safe pair of hands. I don't. I, I don't think he's going to be long term number one. He's a fearless. I mean, that's the guy who won, played a part in a league, league winning team and a cup final. Scott Bain, so he knows how to mm. play the role. Uh, Barkas has to come good at some point. I, I take your point, Chris, that he should be playing and then getting getting his um, self established. But if you're not playing particularly well and you're getting a bit of criticism and all that stuff, why should that be different to any other kind of player? If you're a fullback who's not playing particularly well. Do you get taken out of the team? Of course you do. You play the guy who's in the form and has uh, got the jersey. Yeah, but what, but what, what was the question? Well, you're just saying that, that Barca should be playing. I just yeah, said, but, would it, I, I had asked, would would a period out of the team maybe do Barca some good? That was all. I think it might do him some good, that's what I'm saying. I think it might do. Um, if it might do, might do well and truly on the fence, isn't it? Well, the only way is it's playing week in, week out. But at the moment, is that, is that fair to Scott Bain has come in and done pretty well? Um, but, that, but that's but that's not the point. The, the point is, is how can it be, how can it do your confidence yeah, any good? Here's one for you. Here's one for you. What about if you get dropped for the pod next week for somebody? Your confidence is going to be shattered if we then you know you want to come crawling back the week after. We might not want that. Well, you're a striker. You come in for an injured striker and score two goals and you drop the following week and the guy's back fit again. Is that fair? Of course it's not. The guys, Say that again. If you're a striker, what? If you're a striker on the bench, you're waiting for your chance. The, the star striker gets injured. You come in and score a couple of goals. Yeah, but, but this, you wouldn't expect to get bombed. But hang on. I, I, really? Wouldn't you? So what? if you if so if, if you're Henrik Larson, okay. If you if you're Henrik Larson and you get injured and you come back and then you sit on the bench and he plays another striker ahead of Henrik, are you saying that Henrik shouldn't be put back in? I'm not talking about Henrik Larson with Barca. I'm not talking about Fraser Foster with Barca. But we're, we're talking about a number one goalkeeper, aren't we? Yeah, I think he will be the number one goalkeeper eventually. But I just think at this point in time, maybe no bad thing that he's not not any of this now. That's I, I can take. I, I can see the point that, that, that Neil Lennon is playing Scott Bain just now to get the guy out the firing line. And, it, it's, mm. and maybe he's maybe not in better form. Then you don't play. If you're not in form, you don't play. I think it's fairly simple. 
Okay, lads, here's, here's another he can't question. can't be right. happy with that. Right, here's another question. Would any goalkeeper coming to a new club have struggled given the fact there's been so much chopping and changing of the back four, the back five, the back three, whatever you want to call it? Um, obviously, now you have Neil Beaton who's come back, having been in, been out with his COVID positive test. Shane Duffy, we've obviously discussed, he's there. Chris Julian might be coming back, but no one's actually sure when. Chris Ayer's out, not sure how long for at the moment. Chris, if I was to ask you, if, uh, sorry, if I was to ask you for a central defensive pairing, given the fact that it looks as though Neil has settled on four at the moment, although it can be flexible, but if, were it to be two from four when those lads are all available, and if I could throw Stephen Welsh in there as well since he's played this season, but you would say it's probably between the four, Beaton, Duffy, Julian and Ayer. Who, who would you go for as the you, two? You leaving El Hamid out of that? Yes, as a central defender and a back two, yes. But you feel free to put him in if you wish. He's played in a back three. I don't know if he's played in a back two for Celtic. I don't think he has. Uh, so you're asking. So you're asking me one of the most hypothetical questions of all time because. No, I'm asking you, know, you who the first. I'm asking you who the first pick Celtic defensive duo is. That's what uh, I'm asking. You. The first. So you're asking me for one player. No, the first pick duo. Okay, first duo. Pick two. Okay, duo yeah. two. Yeah. No, uh, well, you know, you know, like two fingers and a twat. Yeah, I've just got, I've got two fingers <laughs> up at the moment. Actually. Um, what, what, Good job, what, that's, that, that's, uh, that's a very, very difficult one uh, because we don't, you know, uh, until you see Julian back fit, Naya back fit, how fit are they? You'd have, you'd have to say uh, if he was going for a centre half pairing. Uh, he would go for. I would have thought he would go for Julian, no doubt, uh, because of his form last season, and he would go for Duffy. I think, which is you know, it, it's an interesting one because Christopher Iyer. I think that uh, that he's still got work to do. But if you're saying you know who are the who are the two defenders who I think Neil will pick in a back four when everybody's fit, they would be the two. It is difficult, Michael. I accept that, and I do accept Chris's point that it's hypothetical because it's highly unlikely. It has been very unlikely in recent seasons that everybody's fit at the same time, also with the volume of games and suspensions and things like that as well. But again, if I could pose you the same question, who would who would be the two? I think it is tricky because you don't get half that are fit all at the same time, fit and form. So I think. Listen, at the start of the season, if someone said it's going to be Julian and I are starting the season in a partnership, nobody would have complained too much about it. Um, I think Neil Lennon probably saw a three with Duffy, Ayer and Julian t- all together. Now he's going back to a four. I think you've got to see Duffy and Julian look like the two. That would be the, the, the choices just now. Um, but then you can, you can change that on a game-by-game basis, depending on how you want to play it. Um, I think Julian's got to play. I don't think I think he's got to be in there. Um Shane Duffy, I think, has showed signs again the weekend. I thought he played well the second half of um, and Sunday as well. I think, yeah, I think Duffy and Julian probably would get an odd moment, but you don't get... I knew I'd agree with this. <laughs> you don't get you don't get so it has fit all the same time. That's why you carry three or four of them. Because... You can make a strong argument to say Michael Neil Beaton's been Celtic's best defender when he's played this season. Is that over the top? Or is that fair? Uh, uh, a wee bit over the top, I think, so. Yeah. Uh, I think that's fair. 
I still think I think I think Beaton is 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 decent in there. I think he takes too many chances, right enough. I think he's, he's... Oh come on, Mick. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't want to argue with everything you say. <laughs> but well but, but if, if you if you talk about the most composed centre half the Celtic have, I think in fact I think it'd be a joint first. I, I think it would be Christopher Ayer and I think Beaton. I think they are both really, really comfortable on the ball. That's the beauty of Beaton playing at the back. Yeah, I think Beaton is, is a very nice football player and he, he plays well building from the back and all that stuff. I think that, that stuff's great. But because he's such a good player, he takes some chances then again because he's so confident with the ball he's feet. Um, he got away one at Hamden on Sunday, a back pass later, later on in the game. They could have, could have really made thing interesting. He got away out of jail with that one. Um, mm. A wee bit of slackness. I think he can get a wee bit kind of confident at times. Um, at the back because he is a good football player but I take, I take a point he is, a, he is a, a natural midfield player who's playing at the back and he's done well there um, and certain scraps I think you want a, you want that rugged certain half like a Duffy um, type character deal with hit balls balls into the box especially in Scotland um, so I think I think maybe Duffy and Julian probably get the nod right now OK let me go to the other end of the pitch you touched on Odson Edward um, you've made your sort of feelings clear on him. What, what, what do you think the other strikers are at the moment, Chris? Obviously, being an ex striker yourself, Lee Griffiths has just had a, a call up back into the Scotland squad for the, the Euro playoff against Serbia. Um, Ajeti did a reasonable job in Lille, um, starting the game, holding the ball up. Get your, your views on that as well. Klamala um, um, seems to be the one who's sliding down the pecking order as, as Griffiths gets his international. Recognition yeah. again, and Edward gets back, and Ajeti gets back fit. How do you view the, the striker situation? You've discussed odds, and Edward obviously would take it as red that you, he is obviously the main man, the first pick, the talisman. Yeah. Um, how do you view the other three and where they stand at the moment? Um, well, where they stand is, is second, third, and fourth, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're never going to play when odds and Edward is fit. There may be an element of rotation, which is why I know me and Mick had a sort of uh, a, a disagreement. Uh, last week about you know him playing three at the back, Neil. I think that Neil will go back to that uh, formation at times this season. We you know we just had a had a debate on the centre halves. I think when when all the centre halves are fit, then there's a decision to be made. I think that Neil is a big fan of a Yeti. I thought that was really telling his comments before the Lille game when we thought, fly me, you know, with Griffiths goal at Aberdeen, it was a, 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 an absolutely brilliant strike. Would Neil, you know, would that be a difficult decision for Neil to make before the game? He, you know, shot that down and uh, and and you know, gave his reasoning why it was always going to be a yeti. So Griffiths has work to do, and the issue Lee Griffiths ha- has is his motivation to to really get his fitness back to a level which is acceptable because he is such he he is such a natural naturally brilliant finisher. He, you know, he is he is a, a difference maker for Celtic, but his his biggest issue is, is going to be himself and staying motivated and keeping himself in tip top condition. And if he does that, then of course Neil, you know, <laughs> will look at him and think, I can't leave him out of the team. But he has to get to a position or get himself in a position where he gives Neil that problem uh, at this moment in time. It's you know, it's Edward and 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 Yeti. I I, I do get fair up with this sort of pandering that he's still, you know, getting his fitness levels up. I mean, how long does it take to be fit? It, you know, this has been, a, you know, months now, really. And, you know, he... He, he did have a hamstring in between. Now. He did have a hamstring oh, I know, in between. but come on. I mean, <laughs> blimey. I mean, you, you know, there's 
Did you play Edward off There's... the left and a Yeti through the middle? Would I play what? Did you play Edward off the left with a, a Yeti through the middle? A bit like when um, Dembele and Edward played briefly together. Edward kind of played off the kind of left-hand side, like a 4-3-3 or 3-4-3. Would you no. Play? No? I think that's a ridiculous idea. You play your best centre-forward as centre-forward as the number nine. I've, I've Go on then, Michael. Would you? Never... Would you, Michael? Come on. And if so, why? I think Edward is really effective in that pocket, that area. I think he's he's, he's great facing the goal. Um, I think he's terrific. He's back to go as well. We saw it on Sunday. Uh, Hold-up play was, was absolutely sensational. Bringing them players out. And I get that. But I think at times, I think I like him in that. I like, I, we saw Dembele and him playing together for, a, I say, a brief spell. I, I like the look of it. I, thought, I think Edward off that kind of left shoulder, left that channel, I think can be really, really effective. Um, but, but, he's mo- but you, you play him in his most effective position, Mick. You play him in his most effective position. That that this 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 shouldn't be a discussion. You, I, would, I don't see you you, you, you cannot you, you cannot crowbar a yeti in think, at the expense of, of lessening Edwards game. You lessen it. I think it'd be even more effective. To be honest with you, I don't. But but, but, but why can't you just accept that you know he could play two up then? I'm not a big fan of three at the back. <laughs> well, there you go. But but that that's why he will Neil will play three at the back. I think Yeti's more of a penalty box in centre forward. I think he's showed that um, he attacks his near post. He get he scored a lot of goals close in. Whereas Edward does a lot of good work outside the box. So I think they could work together and let Edward roam about that area because I think he's got the ability to do that and punish teams. I think he is. I think I say I think he's, he's great. He's face to goal. So you'd play him off the left and you'd drop Elianusi in his form. Well, this is the thing. This is what I keep going back to. Is getting, getting that balance and blend. Could you play? Could you play Ellis in the right of a of a three up top? I don't know. And then you, you you'd leave out Ryan Christie, who scored that stunning goal of the weekend. You can get right through the team. Then you pull out. That's, that's the thing. You get Forrest coming back as well. But I think in, in games you could have that option to do that. I think I'm not saying that's you're going to be a starting for me. I think at the moment Edward's got to lead the line, be the main man. Um, but I think there will be games where you could do that. You could maybe have a two of them in a kind of. Um, or as part of a three up top, right? There's ways they can be flexible during even during games as well. But looking at the look at looking at looking at um the games coming up this week, we'll, we'll touch on them in general shortly. Um but just on that striker situation, Odson Edward obviously just came back, he got his, his twenty five minutes or whatever in Lille, um, started against Aberdeen tired. Would you, Michael, be of a mind for Edward to start against Sparta Prague and, and just, you know, keep going from the start with him? Is it a case for maybe just giving him a wee break again so not to rush him into too many games after he's had that? You know, everybody's affected differently by the COVID. No one knows how, how badly affected he was. Do, do you take him out? Just start with a jetty again in Europe and to have Edward fresh for, for Motherwell on Sunday? What, is the, what, what would be your thinking? Does it does it depend on what's most important to Celtic just now? Or is it just a no-brainer that Edward starts if he's fit? I think it goes back to what I said at the start about the fitness. I think you get him in the park, get the strongest team in the park starting the game. And get an hour at him and see how it, and see where the team are after an hour. If you can get a lead, then, then great. Something to defend for the last half an hour. I think Celtic may need that. So I would get him on, get him more minutes in the pitch. Yeah, definitely. I think he needs, needs that just now. Chris, is that something you would agree yeah. with? Obviously, yeah. you touched upon him when Ryan Christie came off the bench in one of the recent games. When I think Celtic were two right. down to AC Milan, and you said get like, get the guys in the starting yeah. lineup first and be two 0 up first. Absolutely. And what have Celtic done in the last two games? They, they they have built a little bit of momentum. You you can see the confidence coming back. So this sort of this this notion of rotating and giving other players games, you play your strongest team. 
And yeah, I, I'm not. I know the, the the Celtic fans are split on this. I and I do not understand this at all. But there are Celtic fans who said that the Aberdeen game was more important than the European game. Uh, we we can see because of the European game the value uh, of of Europe that performance against a top team and the confidence that that gave Celtic on Sunday. You're no not doubt about that, Cass. They, they, they bounced in the game of hand. Yeah, you're but, absolutely but, right. They bounced in the game of hand. But, but it's going to be a sorry state of affairs when Celtic fans are suggesting giving up European ties. That's not what playing at Celtic is about, has ever been about. You want to play to the highest level possible. As players, you want to test yourself possible. That's what Europe does. Look look what happened. Okay, we, we talk about the Champions League exit last season. Look at last season, the Europa League group stage, the confidence that gave the team, the happiness that gave the fans. There were some yep. stunning, stunning performances. So let's not, you know, let, let's, let's not have this rubbish about dismissing Europe. Because, you know, I, I, there's something I, 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 I just, just could not believe seeing it. And it wasn't just sort of one or two fans. There's a lot of fans. And we, we understand the importance domestically. We can never, as a club, you can never rule out the importance of European competition for a club as big as Celtic. Big game Europe and big game domestically. Um, coming up this week, Chris, how do you assess the Sparta-Prague and Motherwell matches? Um, Sparta-Prague. Dangerous because we all assume that uh, that that they're because they've been beaten twice in the group uh, by Milan and Neil that they'll be the whipping boys. You know they've had a decent start to the season. They'll be organised and they will be. Uh, I you think that Celtic need to carry on with the momentum. They have more of a forward threat. Really important game if Celtic want to get out of this group. These head-to-heads against uh, against Sparta Prague are, are, are absolutely crucial. So six points. Are needed, and then yeah, performance against Lille at home, and, and that will probably be enough. But it's not a gimme against Motherwell. This this nine point gap uh, is a huge gap. I don't care what anybody says. I know you can say Celtic have two games in hand, but that that is you know that is a, a, a bit of a problem for Celtic. Um, so Motherwell, the Motherwell game is of paramount over there, and it's one of those they need to to just find a way of winning that game, try and carry the momentum on. The the pitch isn't the pitch like it used to be years ago where it was all cut up. They have a good pitch there. But Motherwell have, uh, you know, they seem to actually have, have had a few decent results of late. And that's a dangerous game for Celtic. But, you know, Celtic need to carry on this momentum and, and keep the, the small feel-good factor, I should say, at this moment in time. Michael, should the Celtic supporters expect... Two victories, or be certainly very hopeful of two victories in the two games. I think so. Yeah, I think Sparta Prague are there for the taking. I think this week, um, by all accounts, the the, the Czech Nicola Sturgeon has shut down football in, in Czech public in the last month. They haven't played in the league since the third of October. They played two European games and got dumped twice. Uh, they're a good side. And Have you gotten the Czech Nicola Sturgeon's name? Yeah, <laughs> I can't. Our pronunciation is not the best. But, uh, have a go. Have a go, mate. Come on. Not that's <laughs> a funny name. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they're worth the taking. I think they have to go and get three points. I think they're a good side. It's part of Prague, but I said they've been toiling a bit because they've not been playing much. 
Um, yeah, I believe it's almost a month without a domestic game. Which is, it's going to be difficult, yeah. yeah. Uh, just, just on Nicola Sturgeon, Swanee, what about this? Uh, you know, I mean, if you're Celtic and Aberdeen, you're looking at the Scottish government commending the Rangers for the way that they dealt with this uh, whole COVID situation. What did you make of that, Chris? What did you oh, make come. of that? Uh, what did I make of the the, the Rangers players? Uh, well, yeah, well, just I mean, obviously we're gonna we're, we're gonna touch on obviously the sort of final part. The games will finish this weekend. Mm. Obviously, it's international football again. Players are travelling everywhere. When Celtic had their problems previously um, with the international break, and of course, obviously you've had the, the new cases uh, with Rangers this week, where a couple of boys off to a party. Um, what, what, well, what, what was your what, take what, on the, the sort of government response to to that? Well, first of all, the players. What a couple of clowns they are, and, and Stephen Gerrard and. and you know the Rangers hierarchy must be absolutely furious with the whole thing and it looks on the face of it like Rangers have have handled it really well what's baffled me absolutely baffled me is is the Scottish government commending Rangers on that and yet you know with Celtic and Aberdeen you know the Scottish government rounded on them all this yellow card things and 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 what have you I mean it's it, it's remarkable how they've they've changed the tune, and I think most people across Scotland would find that as a as a real head scratcher. But you know, a lot of things uh, which have happened up there have have been a head scratcher. Uh, yeah, I think I think the actual comments for the Celtic and Aberdeen players where we can't have privileged football players but, just deciding yeah. they're going to not bother to follow the, yeah. the cases. And and now a complete U-turn on that. Does it does. It, that not apply all across the board. That's what people will say. I, I, I've got massive sympathy for, you know, for managers ac- across the country. I think we, you know, we did a column a while back and said this, this, this will happen again. Um, but you know, it's it does seem to be one rule, or not one rule for one, one for the other. But certainly a, a change of language from the uh, the Scottish government. Maybe they forgot what they said about Celtic and Aberdeen. I don't know, but that that seemed to be a strange one anyway. Michael, just on a final note, um, where do you see that? The, the, I mean, it's impossible to tell, I know that. But where do you, where do you think football is with the, the COVID thing at the moment in terms of getting anybody back? And is there anything you can say to any of the supporters anywhere? That, are we any closer? Is there any, any nearer to hope that people might get back in? Or is it still looking like a long shot for a while yet? I fear we need to dig in for a long, a long cold winter, I'm afraid. I think it's not looking so good, is it? Um, and it's not just on the across the board. I think it's going to be a long, long process. Um, unfortunately, I, I still, um, the international football thing is a concern as well. Since league games, I, I, I must admit, a bit of concern sending players across out the, out their own club bubbles and across Europe with this competition at this time. I think was crazy, really. I think I mean, you can see it across the, across the continent. Players coming back infected or coming to quarantine and all that, it was just a chaos. And I think it could be been for more of it this next break as well. It's, it's not great. Because it's difficult, Michael, isn't it? And, and you, Chris, if you want to pick up on this, I mean, they, they do go into international squad bubbles when they get away, but they have to get there. You know, they have, they have to get from transit from Glasgow. You know, if you're Vasilas Barkas, for example, you have yep. to get, you know, scheduled flights across to get to Athens or Celtic brought him back the last time on a private yeah. plane because of that situation. But, you know, they have to get there and it's... It's dangerous, yeah, isn't it? Well, it's clearly not ideal if you're a club manager. I mean, you you know, you're, you're sitting biting your nails, aren't you? When the when the players are, are away, we only you know have to look what happened with the you know 
the Ryan Christie situation and him having to self-isolate and, and Celtic missing out on him. So it, it's, you know, it's certainly not ideal. But having said all that, uh, you know, I do think that it's, it's a case that, you know, with, with regards to international teams at this moment in time, you know, the, the, the players are getting tested regularly and uh, an international football should carry on. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. Michael said that um, we may have to dig in for a long winter. At least we've got you two on the podcast to get us through the dark winter days. That'll make it all worthwhile. So, yeah, that's, that's going to yeah, really well. brighten it up. Yeah. So, gentlemen, <laughs> thank you both very much for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, Mick. Guys, cheer up. Be a bit more cheerful next week, Mick. Glass half full. Come on, Mick. Can't help it, Chris. It's a long winter ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for Thank listening. Good luck. Much.